Okay, so we'll do in the laws of Pesach. This is chapter 447, Tof Mem Zayim. And the heading of this chapter is Din Taruvis Chometz Besoycha Pesach. This talks about a mixture of Chometz within Pesach. Uboy Samach Gimel Seifim. It has 63 subsections. It's quite a lengthy uh, discussion over here. And the mixture of chametz on Pesach is different than the mixture of, say, non-kosher in kosher food. It'll have, it has a different law. The Torah has a special verse. The Alter Rebbe writes in his introduction of the laws of Pesach, when he enumerates over there all the special Torah laws, that apply to Pesach, he talks about that there's a Pesach that says, Kol machametzes lo socheilu, which means any type of mixture of chametz don't eat. So in other words, that there is a additional stringency, there's additional verse, something which would ordinarily not uh, be prohibited because of its mixture, uh, and yet on Pesach it's going to be prohibited if it has a mixture of chametz. We're going to see as we're going to learn. Um, most of the time we know that if you have, let's say, something not kosher mixed in into something kosher, as long as it doesn't give the taste, it's not enough to change the taste of the kosher. So the code, then it'll be okay. Like 160th, right? 60th is usually the rule. How do we get to 160th? We're going to discuss that. A 60th is that that's the assumption that if it's 160th, for sure it's not going to give a taste. Something which is only one, if it's less than a 60th, it's not going to give a taste. So that the number 60th come because that was estimated under all circumstances, it's not going to change the taste of the item if it's a 160th. But uh, it could be even less than that, but we don't have a way of knowing that, and that's that's another issue. So, let's do subsection uh, Aleph, Seif Aleph. Although, all prohibitions, the Torah prohibits non-kosher food, milk and meat, and there's various different things the Torah prohibits us from eating. If they got mixed in, so you have a prohibition that's mixed in into kosher food. They do not prohibit the mixture they fell into unless if they give a taste in the mixture. So you need that non-kosher or that prohibition. Torah doesn't allow chalev, fat, certain fats of the animal. There's certain... In order for the mixture to be pro, to prohibited, that prohibition needs to give some taste into the mixture, which means the hainu atshishim, which would be up to sixty. If it is up to sixty times as much, it would prohibit it. Avol chametz pesach, but chametz that has been mixed in already in Pesach. Now the key, notice the key word here, it's mixed in in Pesach as opposed to being mixed in before Pesach. 
you will notice, I'm not sure if you need the traditions, but there's a, a lot of people, for example, just to demonstrate this, what we're learning with the practical things, a lot of people will boil the sugar before Pesach, which means they're not going to use regular sugar, even if it says kosher the Pesach, on Pesach, but they're going to boil the sugar before Pesach. What is the reason that they're boiling the sugar before Pesach? Because in the olden days, not so common today, but it's sort of kept up the tradition. In the olden days, the sugar wasn't as pure like we have today, pure cane sugar. Sugar used to be a, a substance that had sometimes pieces mixed into it. The worry is that there may be a crumb, something of chometz inside the thing. So what happens if you boil it? So when you boil it, you make it into a liquid. So you put water and sugar. If you look at all the cookbooks, they have Pesach cookbooks. They have how to, the measurements for boiling sugar. So what you do is you boil the sugar, you put it into the water, you make the mixture, and then you sift it through through a cloth. So if there's anything, sugar melts. But if there's any particles over there, it will come out in the cloth. Then you will, you'll sift it through. Then you'll be able to tell. And then you have pure sugar. And what we use on Pesach is that pure sugar. But we do this all before Pesach, or before even the half a day of Pesach, because mixtures, because what happens if it is a mixture, you boiled it together, so some of the taste went in there, but mixtures before Pesach become bottled, they become nullified within so much more. But on Pesach itself it doesn't become nullified. But here we're talking about chametz that got mixed in in Pesach. Once it's mixed in on Pesach, the Haino. What is the time? What do we mean when we say Chametz that mix in for Pesach. Milel Tezvav, starting from the night of the 15th. That's when Pesach starts. Always the night precedes the day. So the 15th begins with the night. That's the Seder night. Ad Motzi Yom Shel Pesach. Until the last day Pesach. Which means, you're talking about in the diaspora, in Galut, outside of Israel, which we celebrate two days of Pesach, so it's called Yom Tov Acharon Shal Pesach, the last day of Pesach, because in Israel they only have seven days, over here we have eight days, because that's the Acharon Shal Pesach. So he says like this, Kevon Sheikh Mido Boi Toiro Lanish Koris. So he says like this, since the Torah was stringent, and says that the punishment is Koris, Kodesh means most of the time when a person violates a prohibition of the Torah, it involves just a violation, just a purely a prohibition. And there's a certain penalty for all the prohibitions. There is, when it meets the criteria, sometimes there is a, there's Malchus, there's various different, but it doesn't, it's not Kodesh. Kodesh is considered cut off, which means that you don't, either you don't live after 60, or it means various different interpretation, or it means um, that your children are cut off, or it means you don't have a portion in Olam Haba. There's various different ways to interpret what karis is. But that's considered a step up, uh, a more severe prohibition. So eating chametz, uh, chametz on Pesach, eating chametz on Pesach 
is more than say eating not kosher. It's more the, the penalty for that that the Torah gives is more than eating something which is other isur. That's number one. And there's also another thing. The Torah, most prohibition, the Torah doesn't allow you to eat it. So the Torah says you can't eat not kosher food. But you are allowed to hold non kosher food in your refrigerator if you're not eating it. There's no prohibition against possessing non kosher food. The prohibition is against eating it. But chametz is different. The Torah says the bal that you will be violating a prohibition, you shall not be seen, it shall not be found. Those are the two languages. The Torah says, So that there, so we see from this how serious of a mitzvah this is of not eating the chametz. And then yet there is also another issue over here. Most prohibitions are prohibited all times of the year. So let's say if it's not kosher, it's always not kosher. So, but chametz is okay to use during the year. It's only not on Pesach that you can't use it. So the thing is, because humans, people, since they are used to eating it all year round, very closely that you can forget because you are, you know, you eat, it's, if it's something that you never eat because it's not kosher, let's say, so you're going to remember, so you're not going to come to eat it. But if it's something that you eat all year, you can very easily make a mistake. Well, I ate it yesterday, and you forget, and you might eat it. So therefore, So that's why the Chachamim were stringent. So because Chametz is such a very serious prohibition, the rabbis always added precautions to make sure, always when the rabbis come and added to what the Torah says, they wanted to make sure that you are not going to violate. But because this is such an important mitzvah, because as he said, you get punishment of karis, it's bal yiroba, you can't possess it, can be found. And because you do all the time, the chachamim were strict, that any amount would prohibit the mixture. So if you have any drop of anything, even though it's more than 60, you have more than 60, more than a thousand, more than whatever, any number. Can you imagine, since we have to be careful by every drop, that's why you have to be very careful with the Pesach, because any little thing would, nothing would become nullified. The Chachamim said that it's Osir, and it's Osir, you're not allowed to eat it, and whether it is to benefit from it. So if you have, let's say, a mixture that fell in uh, into it, a drop of chametz in a huge mixture, you can't sell it to a non-Jew. Because then you're still benefiting. So it, it makes it usher. You can't eat it, but you can't benefit it. You're not allowed to benefit from that mixture. The whole mixture has become prohibited because of that drop. So would you have to throw it out? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. He says, this would apply also, and I'm going to teach you some halachas now, which you know with regards to kashrut. He's going to go through here. He says, 
whether it's a mixture of dry and dry. Um, there are two kinds of mixtures that one can deal with. It's called Yavish B'Yavish, dry and dry. And then it's called Lach B'Lach, moisture with moisture. What does it mean? Yavish B'Yavish, meaning if you have, uh, let's say, two cold items together, dry. So let's say you have... Um, um, matzah meal, I'll give you an example. So you have matzah meal. So you have crumbs, a little bit of matzah. And then you have one crumb of chametz, a crumb of bread, one little crumb of bread in a big pot of matzah. You have one crumb of chametz in there. That would be yavish biyavish. Yavish biyavish. Because the mixture over there, the bread doesn't give a taste into the matzah crumbs, matzah meal, right? Because it's dry. They don't pass. It it's just a mixture. It's a physical, a dry thing. Over there, it's mixed in into majority, or in this case, a majority, or ten, a lot of times the majority. So we say one little drop in so much is of no significance and normally it would become bottled. It would become nullified. nullified because it's just so little in the in the mixture of it. So we go by the mixture, it will be nullified. Uh, and so, but in this case, it would not become nullified. After Pesach, even if you have one crumb and so much more matzah, it would not become nullified. And he explains over here in the parenthesis, Pirush, when we say dry and dry, we're talking about shenis arif tsoinon b'tsoinon. Either it's cold and cold, like cold matzah meal and a cold crumb or of chametz, or oicham becham b'lereitev. The same thing would be, even if it's hot, let's say it's heated up, it's in, it's in the oven, right? Or it's, it's hot, and the crumb is hot, everything is hot. But still, without liquid... Without liquid. If there's no liquid, it's just dry, things don't travel from one to the other. It doesn't travel. It's just, it's physical, it stays where it is, it becomes nullified in its dry status. But he says, He says, but if you have, let's say, the matzah meal laying in moisture, in in, in soup, okay, which is boiling, so then, that is hainu lach belach. So then, that wouldn't be dry and dry. Then, even though you're talking about dry stuff, but that would still be considered moisture with moisture. Why? Because the taste of the dry chometz is going to be is expelled, comes out, as the taste of the Isser goes into the Heter, as we'll see later on. So he's trying to define, when he says dry, dry, he means where the taste isn't going into the other one. So it's dry and dry. It's going to be totally, uh, it's going to be bottle. So he gives you an example. If you have a Prusas 
Let's say you have a piece of bread, of grain, that has become chametz. You have a piece of bread. It's a, uh, a grain that has become chametz, meaning it rose. It's regular, a regular piece of bread. It mixed in in thousand pieces of matzah. Now you have to understand, they look the same. We're not talking about it. If you can tell, then it's not called mixed out. It's mixed in. Then you just take it out. We're talking about, we're talking about something that you can't tell. You know, the, it's, that's what he says. The matzah, it's baked exactly like matzah. It looks exactly like the matzah. But the only thing is, it was made out of grain that has become chametz and it looks like matzah. So it's, it's baked like matzah and you have no... You know, sometimes when you go to the matzah bakery, you will see uh, certain pieces of matzah they don't like because they, it, it stay too long, whatever, and they take it out as chametz. But you can't tell from the piece. It looks just like a regular piece of matzah. Such a piece of matzah gets in the matzah bakery gets mixed up with all the other matzahs over there. But we're talking about this is happening on Pesach. Now the other example would be obation is out of lach melach. Then the other case would be liquid gets mixed up with liquid. What would be the scenario? Going, for example, you know one of the things is you have beer sheichar mitvu mechometzis. If you have beer made out of grain that has become chometz, shenafalatoich meidvash shel pesach, and that falls into meidvash means honey water. I mean, this used to be uh, something they used to drink. To call it in Yiddish, they used to call it med, they used to call it. That's the only word, but that's, you know, that's kosher for Pesach. So that would be lach the lach. Now, why would there be a difference? Because in halacha, there's sometimes a difference by other isurim. But here he's telling you with regards to Pesach that nothing would make a difference in all scenarios. Now, in this case, they are the same kind, which means. Matzah and the chametz, they're the same, or the liquid, they're the same. Because the, the point, let me just so you understand what, what would be the different logical difference. Because things that are the same kind don't provide another taste, they don't give another taste. So if you mix uh, chametz matzah with matzah matzah, with pesachdika matzah, the chametz matzah is not going to give a taste into the even when it's liquid, because it's the same taste. So there's no, there's no such a thing as a taste. It's all matzah. Mm-hmm. So that's what's called min biminoy. Kind in the same kind where the taste would be the same. There's actually in halacha, there's different interpretations of exactly min biminoy, but that's the way we, we learn of it. But then we have whether the mixture is ubein shenis arev b'she'ene minoy. Ubein shenis arev biminoy. Whether it's mixed in as something which is not its kind, which there would be a different taste, or in its own kind, they're both exactly the same taste. As for example, going, if you have a piece of bread that has been kneaded from flour of grain that has become chametz, so you're kneading it. The problem here is the baking is going to be the same, but you're kneading it. The flour that you're using is coming from grain that has become chametz. 
that falls into a pot in which you are cooking uh, cooked matzah. Okay? So in this case, it's the same taste. It's not going to go. You're, you're making matzah balls, say. Okay? You're making matzah balls and you're cooking uh, the, uh, you know, the um, matzah meal. And then you have, from it, you have some matzah meal that comes from chametz dika. It's the same matzah meal. It doesn't give any different taste. It's the same matzah. Uh, now he says, "Vafilu ein klum chametz." Yes, even in the mixture, there is no substance of the chametz. So say, let's say. Only the taste of the chametz went into the matzah, like kigoyin shu makiris chatichas chametz shenof ligdeiro. You can tell the piece of chametz that fell into the pot. So while it was cooking, but this only applies by moisture because by moisture the taste is coming out. Because when it's dry, all what it is is the piece itself. If you can remove the piece, then you don't have a problem. There's no mixture there anymore. But when it's cooking and it's in with hot, with hot water. So then the hot is the one that transfers out from the chametz into the rest of the mixture. And now you can tell that piece, so you want to take it out, you take it out. They see them in the Miyad, and you take it out immediately from the pot. So you, it doesn't even stay a long time. You dropped in a drop. Afal became Tam Mashu Niflat Menolotoycha Gdeira. The a drop of a taste that has been expelled from it that came out from it into the pot, oyser bahanor would prohibit bahanor afilu as a matzah sheshovel betav even the matzah that is equal in taste. So, which means really essentially, if you're cooking the matzah meal and then you have a drop of chametz fall in there and you can take it out right away, that instant that it cooked in there. A drop went out, that drop is enough to prohibit the whole thing, make it all chametzdik. So basically, um, the, um, the um, stringency would be so strong that it would be in all, in all cases. Okay, so we'll leave it. we're in the middle of uh, chapter 447, Tafmam Zayin. We're in the middle of subsection 1, the middle of Sif Aleph. And we learned that Chometz of Pesach has a very specific stringency that even one drop of Chometz, even a taste of Chometz, anything that comes from Chometz on Pesach itself, all of the mixture becomes both prohibited to be eaten and prohibited to benefit. We go across the board. So today we're going to learn umikol makom. However, nevertheless, im ein mamoshes hachometz klum b'taruvis. If it's a situation where there is no actual particle of chometz within the mixture, afilu mashu, even a drop. So yesh matidin limkor l'nochrikol there are those that permit to sell to a non-Jew the entire mixture. So let's say we talked about before. So let's say that you have beer, which is not kosher, which is not kosher for Passover. 
And, okay, so in that case, if that mixes in into uh, other liquid, then you would have actually a substance. That's not the case over here. But we are talking about, let's say you have grain that has become chometz, and then it falls in, and you take out the grain so that only the taste of the chometz, sticky grain, went into the pot, but not the grain itself you took out. So now it only has the taste. In that case, which is the lineage of this case, the easiest of these cases, there are those that permit limkur lenochri kol to sell to the non-Jew the entire mixture. Sometimes there may be a big loss for it. Because if you have to dump it out, it could be a big loss. So you want to sell it to a goy. Some people will allow that. Now, but there's a stipulation. You can only sell it to a goy if you don't have a, a worry that he might resell it to another Jew. Because if you're selling it to the goy, and then the goy can sell the Jew, the Jew is going to end up with the chavetz. So he says, mm-hmm. If it's an item which we don't have to worry that the goy will go back, and he will send the, sell the mixture to the yid, because the Jew doesn't know that there's a mixture of chavetz. The goy could be selling something which is kosher lepesach. But the problem was that in that kosher lepesach there was something, a mixture of the chametz in there. But the uh, goy might not tell the yid, so there's a worry that he might end up buying it like that. And on pesach he's going to be eating that mixture. Commotion is barbisim and tafmem beis, as explained in tafmem beis. So, what is the reason why we can sell it to a goy? Well, there's a logic over here. Because we said you're not allowed to benefit from the chametz, right? But in this case, you're not benefiting from the chametz because there's no chametz, there's only a taste. The goy doesn't add money to the Jew for this mixture because it has a little taste of chametz in it. So there's no benefit from the chametz. So it turns out... You're not benefiting from the chametz. The Torah prohibits you to benefit from the chametz. In this case, he's not benefiting from the chametz because there is no extra pay for that taste of the chametz that is in there. Rakshi Zoyer Limkor Kolatoruvas Takev Miyad Shenis Adar Bayachametz. The only thing he says, you have to be careful to sell immediately the entire mixture that has the chametz mixed into the Shaosur. Because a Pesach, you're not allowed to hold on to it. Because if it's Chomez, you got to get rid of it. Sell it, throw it out, but don't hold on to it. Because on Pesach, you're not allowed to hold on to this mixture of Chomez. Unless it's the eighth day of Pesach, as will be explained in the Simen Tov Samach Zayin and Sif Chof Ches, which it's different. Why is it so important that you must get rid of it right away? Why? Because Shema Yishkach V'yechlenu, that you might come to eat it. Now here we're going to come to explain a general difference which we have many times with regards to Pesach. You see, and we mentioned it actually earlier also, normally food that is prohibited is always prohibited. So we know that you're not going to go 
and take something which is uh, a can that has non-kosher food on it, you know, that says over there, uh, non-kosher, you're not going to use it. So, can you hold it in your house? Okay, why? Because you're not going to use it anyway. So there's not to worry about it. But when we deal with chametz and Pesach, chametz a whole year is permissible. You can eat the chametz. It's only prohibited on Pesach. So now you got to remember and you got to say to yourself, oh, I can't eat it now. Well, you forgot this baby. You're just coming. You go into the drawer, to the closet, or to the pantry, and you pull it out. So you're not going to remember. So therefore, he says like this. He says, prohibited food, you are permitted to hold it for a short time. We don't allow you to hold it for too long. He says, how much is a short time? Like a month or two months. Now, I'm just thinking, what does he say? Is, is it a month or is it two months? So it means perhaps, maybe not more than a month, but up to two months, you know, he says. A month or two months. So that means that you're not allowed to forever hold non-kosher food in your house either. But, but we don't worry in that month or two months. We don't worry, well, maybe you're going to eat it. How come we're not telling you, no, take it out of your house right away. As explained in Yerdes Nun Zayin. So that's okay to hold it. But it's different by Chometz. Chometz, when we talk about Chometz, since you are used to using it all year round, that we need to worry more that you might forget to uh, to eat it. And that's why the Chachomim made many stringencies. The Gozru Kamagidorim and they decreed many fences to to distance yourself from it because the Therefore, you can't really learn from the laws of Chometz for the other prohibition of the Torah. So he gives you a general principle. By Chometz, the Chachamim were more stringent to not come in contact with it at all during Pesach because you're used to it. And if we're going to let you, you might come to eat it. As opposed to the other prohibitions, which are not timely, they're just always prohibited, so you stay away from them anyway. So we don't have to worry so much that you might come to eat it. This would be only allowed if there's only a taste of the chametz in the mixture. But if in the mixture there is actual a substance of the chametz, that's mixed in it, as for example, if you have a mixture, Lach Lach, Pesach Dikim beer from Nat Chometz and Chometz Dikim beer. You may have a mixture over there. Even you have one drop. Shehein Nivlolim Yafa Yafa. If you have a mixture, they are mixed in. Well, you can't tell. Sheyev Shelafridim Zemizeh. You can't separate one from the other. Kigoin gives you another example. Kain Taruvus Lach Belach. But he's going to give you an example here. Uh, let's say you have flour. You have grain that has become chametz. 
and you made flour out of that, so that's chametz dika grain, and you made flour out of regular grain, which is not chametz dika grain, right? Shakemach hunimuach, the flour that you have that is dissolved, that is dissolves, and v'nivla b'chol akemach shel heter. So the 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 tvoa, the chamutza, um, the tvoa chamutza, the the flour from the chametz dika grain, got mixed in in the whole uh, permissible one. It's all together now. You can't take it out. You can't see. There's nothing. There's nothing over there. It's just all flour. There is no way to take away some flour from the mixture. Should not have a drop of flour of Easter. So you can't fully separate it. Now I'm going to assume that he's talking about that you mixed in the flour. But what happens, let's say you have a drop of flour like on the top, it's like a and you can sort of skim it all off, it would be maybe different. Then you can then you can remove it. But we're talking about a case, it's flour, so you mixed it all up. Now the flour is mixed, there's no way to do it. You can't sell the whole thing to the guy, even if you're not going to. Even if you're going to say, I'm going to sell it to him, but I'm not going to charge the guy for the chametz dika uh, the grain, the flour, the chametz dika flour. So let's say you have 10 pounds of uh, kosher flour kosher for Pesach flour, and you have one spoon full of chametz dika flour that mixed into that flour. And you're going to say, okay, let me sell to the guy for 10 pounds of flour. I'm not going to charge you for the extra spoon. So it turns out that you're not benefiting from the chametz because whether there was chametz there or not, you're not charging for it. So there's no... No, no, no benefit to the person from that. So he says you're not allowed to do that. So that he's going to take only money from him, what the mixture was worth before the chametz was in there. That's not going to help. Why? The only time the rabbis permitted to do so is only chametz in his of yovish biyovish. It's only in a situation where it dried up, dry with dry, which means like this. The Hainu, Kikr Shal Chometz, if you have a loaf of Chometz, Shen Nitzarevim cake in Shnei Kikr Shal Matzah, which mixes in with two loaves of Matzah. So you have two, two, two against one. Shal Yisur Vaheter, Eino Nivlolim Zebazem. The prohibited and the uh, permissible aren't mixed in. They're not been mixed into each other. Each one is in the self. So amongst these pieces, there's chametz, and there is matzah over here. The only thing is, we don't know. We don't know which one is the isur. So you have three pieces. You have chametz, they, they all make. One is a chametz de matzah, and two are pesach de matzahs. And they look exactly the same. But the Chomets and the Pesach Matzahs have not been mixed into each other. The only, in other words, they're not part of the, the same mixture. The only thing is, you don't know which is the mixture. 
had we been able to recognize, we could have removed it if we knew what it is. Misham, from there. So in that case, when you sell it to a guy besides the prohibited in there, since you're not taking money for the Isur, for the Chametz, God, it's as if you're taking it away from the Heter. So I'm selling the Goy only the Isur, only the Heter, only the, the, the Matzah. Well, he's getting an extra, throwing in a, a bonus to him. But that bonus, I'm not getting paid for it. So in that case, it's okay. I will call show but if the prohibition is mixed into the permissible, similar to moisture and moisture, which means like uh, two liquids, which become mixed out. In this case, flour, that becomes mixed into the other one. In that case, you cannot separate them. You must remove all the mixture immediately. Unless we're talking about a situation where there is no actual substance of the chametz in there, as we said, only the, t- the taste of the chametz, and there's only a, a, a tamashu that went in the mixture, then it's okay because there's no actual chametz. But if there's actual chametz and it's mixed in, then you cancel. One more small piece, and we'll finish this if. That's one, one, one opinion. There's other disagree. And they say the kemach shenis arev ain't ledin taruvis lach belach that as a flour that has been mixed in does not treat it like a mixture of lach belach. She also limker ataruvis lenochri, which you're not allowed to sell the mixture to a guy chutzvin veisur sheboy without collecting for the isur. They don't say they they disagree, and they say even flour that is mixed in is not treated like lach belach. They say it's treated like Yovish be Yovish, so that you could go ahead and sell it to the Goy without the Dmeishboy. The only time it would be if it's a mixture, if you have grain that has become chametz, mixed in with grain that is not chametz, and then you grind them the mixture. Then we treat the flour that comes out of it as lach belach, which means if you're grinding them together, then they become like lach belach, like really mixed. Because through the grinding, they're mixed in and they're totally getting the 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 isurdikin flour in we can rely on them in a place where there's a great loss. So basically, the question over here is, so we learned like this. Lach belach, we know what it is. Lach belach means liquid into liquid. We know what it is. We also know what yavash biyavash, what it is. The question is, now, the difference is, yavash biyavash, dry and dry, you are allowed to sell besides the Isur on it. You're allowed to sell it to a guy, not taking the Isur. Lach belach, you cannot sell without the taking of the Isur. Why? Because by Yavish be Yavish, we say you're actually selling him the only permissible and not the Isur. And by Lach belach, we say you can't do that because the, everything is mixed in. The question that we have what is the halacha of flour 
that is mixed in another flour. What kind of a status does it have? The first opinion says that it has a status with flour mixed in with flour, that it's like lach belach, and therefore you cannot sell it without the, we're not taking the money for the, for the other mixture. And the other opinion says, no, flour and flour is considered like Yovish B'Yovish, because it's still, even though you can't take it apart, but it's still dry and dry. However, everybody agrees, we say over here, if you're going to have the grain, which is Chometz and the non-Chometz uh, grain, but you grind them together, and that grinding together it's a lot more than just mixing it together after they become flour. In that case, it will actually have a status of lach balach, and you would not be able to sell it without the chamesh Now, this seems to be a little bit non-applicable to us. I mean, what, is, what does it mean to us? But you know, it does have a lot to do in, in cases. We, we have to know, these this, this, this are a basis for a lot of things like when you have in certain cosmetics, and you have mixture, let's say they put an alcohol in cosmetics, and let's say there's a mixture over there which the alcohol comes like from grain, for example, right? And the question is, okay, in this case, when the mixture was done, whether the mixture would prohibit. So these are all things that need to be taken into consideration, but especially in the olden times when people used to have factories and they used to work, and during Pesach, and sometimes these things happen, you know, you need to know, just like we have a question, uh, if something milchix falls into a fleshix or fleshix into milchix. And so we have all various different kinds of scenarios in which we need to know the ruling. So if this is the ruling, the basis, and we'll go on to see from here uh, how it manifests itself in, in many other cases. Thank you. The, um, we're up to in Simon Tov Mem Zayin, the laws of Pesach, in uh, four... 147. We're up to subsection uh, 2. Base. See base. So the Alter Rebbe says, Avalyesh Chalkin al There are those that disagree on all the above. And they say, because before in the previous, if we were lenient, if there is no actual substance in the Chomets to sell it to a guy. But these people say, the new opinion says, even there is no substance of the chametz in the mixture, but it was only that a taste of chametz was expelled into it, it is still prohibited to sell it to a goy, but you must burn the entire mixture immediately. That's the more stringent opinion. And so it's a custom in our countries. So for this, you don't have to remember anything. Any mixture whatsoever is no good. But he says one should not change this tradition. And he adds in the parenthesis, unless there is a great loss, then one can rely on the first opinion in which it was more lenient because when you're selling it and you don't make any money on the chametz, it's not considered that you're having a hanoah from the chametz because the, there is no monetary value to that taste. So it turns out that you're not really benefiting from the chametz. 
So that would be, if it's expelled, the taste. Avul betaruvus, yovish biyovish. But that would be when there's a taste expelled. But if there's a mixture of dry in dry, which means there is an object over here of chametz, and there's an object of uh, matzah, but it's mixed. So according to all opinions, you can sell it to a non-Jew, besides the money of the prohibition that's in it. Commission is married, as explained. Because one, if you can separate and you can say there is some chametz and some non-chametz, and you're not getting paid for the chametz, so then it turns out that you're actually not benefiting from the chametz at all because you're not getting. So let's say you have 10 pounds of matzah, okay? And you got five ounces of chametz in there, mixed in that you can't tell. But there is still, you can't tell, but it's mixed in because you have chametz dika matzah and pesach dika matzah. Let's say you have matzah meal. So matzah meal, you can't tell where it comes from. So you have chametz dika matzah meal and you have pesach dika matzah meal. And you have a lot more chametz, pesach dika than chametz dika. So you, even though you can't pick it out, you can't tell, but there is separate. But if you're not getting money, you're not getting paid for the chametz uh, dika matzah, you're only charging the goy for the pace of the kamatza, so then it turns out that you're not benefiting because you're giving it away, the chametz the kamatza, he's getting it for free, and you are um, only selling him the matzah the kamatza, so that's okay. But the um, when there's a mixture, there's a taste, there's no separation there because the taste enters. It becomes the same. So it becomes part of it. So therefore, we cannot separate, that's why they are more stringent. Yeah? He says, however, what you're not allowed to do, he says, let's say, let's you charge, why don't you charge the non-Jew the entire price for the chametz and the matzah, charge him for all, and then don't benefit from all, take the difference, the extra money, let's say that you got for the chametz, let's say you got extra dollar for the chametz, take it, dump it into the ocean, so you're not going to be benefiting from it. He says you can't do that. That only helps by idol worship. Uh, by things, by idol worship which is prohibited by Noah, which gets mixed up if, the, if something which is prohibited for over there, you can take the price and throw the rest into the See and not benefit. That doesn't help by other items that are prohibited to benefit. As explained in the section of Yeridei in chapter uh, 110. Look over there for the reasoning. He doesn't say it over here what the reasoning is. So let's say that people, uh, they offer for their idols, they offer matzahs, wafers. They have like wafers for the, for the idols. They give them wafers, right? And those wafers get mixed up in kosher wafers, like that are not uh, evidently wafers that were worshipped with can't use. You're not allowed to eat. So over there, there's an allowance if it mixes in with kosher. So you don't have to throw everything out. So over there, we tell you sell it to a goy. If it was uh, you know dry, dry and dry, kosher and avodah wafers, take the whole price, take the money and throw it away. That helps over there, but it won't help by a prohibition like the prohibition 
of chametz. Okay, so let's do quickly more. There's one more short sif over here. Let's do one more sif, sif gimel. Um, what about kelim shenizbashel behem chametz bePesach? Let's say you have somebody cooked chametz uh, on Pesach. We're, we're all talking about a mixture that um, that that, um, that it's happening during Pesach now. So there are vessels that somebody cooked chametz and Pesach in them. Let's say a goy, whatever it was, chametz was cooked in in in, in a vessel on Pesach. So now the, the problem is when you cook in a vessel, just like by kosher, not kosher, some of the taste goes into the walls of the vessel. That's why we say you can't use a, 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 a tray pot unless you kosher it, because when you kosher it, the water takes out the, what's absorbed in the walls. That's called a tam, a taste of the food goes into the walls of the dish. So if you cooked chametz on a dish on Pesach, so now you have inside the dish, what do you have? You have chametz inside the dish, a taste of chametz. Now here we say that chametz, even a taste of it, would prohibit anything to be eaten. But he says, still, So what you do is you have to scrub it down and rinse it off well. So, just make sure that there's no visible chametz. You got to get rid of any visible chametz. But the chametz, which is in, absorbed in the walls of the caliph, that you're not going to be violating the prohibition. You're not allowed to have in your possession. On, there's an additional prohibition on Pesach not to see and not to be found in your possession. You shouldn't own chametz in Pesach. But here, the fact that there is a taste of chametz in the in the dishes, in the pot, that doesn't constitute because it's not found to you. It's not because that's not considered a something that is found to you. So then you can leave them till after Pesach. But then you can cook in them without having to kasher them and any preparation at all. So he says, because after Pesach, the chametz that's in there isn't going to do anything to the, anything that you're going to cook. So you can keep those pots and use them after Pesach. The only thing is, but you have to be careful to hide them, put them in a, in a, in a place that is uh, hidden during the day of Pesach, as will be explained in the section uh, 451. Um, over there, we're going to learn, in Sifalaf, we're going to learn over there that we're afraid that if you keep the dishes outside, you might come to use it, you might cook it on Pesach. Then you would give a taste from it into the food. You can't use it on Pesach. But that's why you put it away, and then you can use it after Pesach. And you're also allowed to sell them uh, during Pesach, which means, like hummus, you can't sell during Pesach. You have to sell before Pesach if you want to sell it to a guy. But this you can sell 
because it doesn't, uh, it doesn't, uh, it's not considered chametz over there because it's only in the in the walls. And the chaynanir b'toichan davar tzayin that arai. If you want to put in it something cold in a temporary way, let's say you want to uh, use them to warm up water to um, either bathe in or you want to use it to wash laundry in it, in a temporary way. All in a temporary way because you're not allowed it because we're afraid you might use it for cooking. But if you want to just in a, in a temporary way, you just want to use that pot. Now, we don't care if the water is going to have hummus, the water that you're going to wash in, it's not going to do anything to your feet, it's not going to do anything to your laundry, it's not going to do, hummus the water is okay, uh, you can't eat it, uh, I guess, uh, you're not benefiting, I guess, from the hummus if it's just in your water over there. Come down to that thing that if it's a it doesn't matter, but that's what we're learning. A Pesach, even a tiny percent, it doesn't. One at Pesach, it doesn't help us. It's just the same as a vessel that was cooked in the Chavetz before Pesach. As it will be explained later on in in Sif Yud Gimel. Um, Um, so now the only thing is I'm just trying to think I want to take a look over there why is there why, why is it actually I mean why is it you're not considered you're benefiting from the chametz because the, the little bit of chametz that going into the water I mean uh, you're not benefiting what are you getting from the taste the taste of the chametz yeah, whatever it is, but eating you're not allowed to eat it because you're eating chum, you're eating a taste of chametz, but but uh, from the pot because there's a drop in there. But even if there's a drop of chametz in the water and you're bathing or you're not, that's not considered benefiting from the chametz. It's it's benefiting from the water. You're not internalizing. Yeah. Now, but he just tells you. But there is one basic difference: food that is chametz, you're not allowed to hold in your house because we're afraid that you might come to eat it. But a pot which is chametz, if you put it in a hiding place, it's okay. And the chachamim weren't worried if you're going to keep it after Pesach. That you might forget and cook in the middle of Pesach. As they worried about a food that is prohibited eating in Pesach for this worry, they don't allow you to hold on. Uh, to the for after after Pesach because they say you might come to eat it because you eat it all that but by a pot they weren't choshesh it seems like because even if yes it's going to be uh, a drop so the chum won't worry about it and they allowed you to keep the pots but they didn't wouldn't allow the same thing by uh, by food okay the laws of Pesach and we're doing in chapter four hundred and forty seven Tufmim Zayin. And we're up to subsection 4. We were talking about the fact that on Pesach, the chametz is so stringent by the rabbis that they even one drop of chametz makes the entire mixture prohibited. So even though it's just a taste of the chametz, it would prohibit everything. But that was Bamedvar Mamurim. When do we say that chametz on Pesach will prohibit its mixture, even if it's a drop? 
That's when the mixture has been mixed and it expanded the taste of the chametz in all of the permissible. Say, for example, now this is also laws that you can read with regards to all year round as far as non-kosher because the way the prohibition spreads into the rest of it is something which is all year round the same. So say for example you have a mashu chomet shenofa letoich tafshil cham boy. A drop of chometz falls into a warm cook, cooked item which the hand so let it bow which means will, uh, gets burnt by it. So let me just tell you what is Yad boy. Again, in the time of the Shulchan Aruch, in those days they didn't have any temperature, any measurement. They measured everything by physical means. One shiur, one measure, is called Yad boy. That means if the hand touches it, you remove it, you can't hold it. That's considered hot enough that it can transmit, it can absorb it's like hot enough to take, absorb, to give out. It's hot enough. If it's not Yatsi, let this boy, then it's considered like cold. Then it's cold. Cold doesn't transmit, does not take in or take out if it's cold. So that's why here we're talking about you have chametz. Chametz on Pesach is what? Is prohibited. So you have chametz. It falls into a warm, cooked a dish that you have over there and that dish is Yatsuladis boy. If it was not Yatsuladis boy, then you would just remove it because nothing happened. If they can rinse it off, it doesn't go inside. The chametz does not enter if it's not Yatsuladis boy. Now, you're cooking in the pot. What are you cooking? You're cooking a roast. You're cooking on the oven. You're cooking a roast on the pot. So there's soup over there. And there's the piece of meat. Now you have that chametz, whether whether it falls into the soup, of the into the water, or it falls right onto the piece of meat, partially it's covered, this is pieces on the top, it's sticking out, but the bottom piece is in the water, in the soup. One, the bottom piece is in the soup, even though this piece is out of the soup, but the water is considered, goes in and out, it takes it inside of the whole meat. Partially in the soup. Then the soup will be transmitting all of the taste of the chomets, the drop of chomets, inside the whole pot. Uh, so therefore so what do you have now you have one drop of chametz that its taste has been mixed in into the whole roast into the whole pot how much percentage of the pot is the chametz now nothing, it's almost nothing Pesach it will be awesome if this was not chametz, let's say you had a pot of meat and inside fell in a non-kosher ingredient, like one, one, uh, non-kosher. or let's say a drop of milk. 
fell into their path. So over there, normally, that small taste, if you have 60 times as much in the soup and the meat, it would be nullified. We say, if it's more than 60 times as much as that drop, it would be uh, nullified. But Chometz and Pesach cannot become nullified. Even in thousands, thousands. And therefore, everything that's in the pot has been prohibited. Is this the accepted or is this just an opinion? Everybody, this is no question. But that implies that. But section, subsection A. But if the taste of the Chometz did not expand into all of the permissible Elo, the Miktas it only some of it. Then it would only prohibit that part in which it expanded to. You can eat the rest. How so? What would be the case? If you have a kicker chometz, a loaf of chometz, which is hot, your hand is, is yat, again, yatze lettuce boy, you know, that's hot enough that yatze lettuce boy. Shenoga be kicker matzah hamshi yatze lettuce boy. That touches a loaf of matzah, which is yatze lettuce boy. The only place where it touches is the place in where it, where it touched. Uh, now, here is a very important principle, which is also with regards to kosher. We're talking about two dry loaves. You're talking a loaf of matzah, and you're talking a loaf of chametz that touched each other. But they touched each other without liquid. Two dry pieces touching each other. When two dry pieces touching each other, since there is no soup, there is no liquid, so it doesn't transfer more than the place that it touches to. So he says, So it only prohibits the place where it touched. You have to remove from the matzah the place where the chametz touched. You remove the thickness of the thumb, the, the area, this area of the thumb, of the width of the thumb, that's the depth of the matzah. The rest is matzah. Even you can eat it. You can eat the rest. Why? Because not even a drop of chometz has been expelled into the matzah. Since there is no liquid to travel the taste of chometz, the taste of the chometz does not travel on its own without liquid uh, naturally more than the place that you touch it. So, if, in that case, only the place where you touch would be awesome. And then what happens if you cooked the matzah that Shinogabo chometz that chometz touched in there? So now what happens? So you have a, a chometz touch a matzah. They're both, they're hot, right? But then you removed it, and you didn't remove from the matzah the piece where it touched. You didn't remove it. And then you go and you cook it. Now you could remove it. Still, you know the place where it touched it. 
Then this matzah with everything that cooked in the pot is also why because the taste of the chometz which was absorbed in the place where it is touched this passion now it expanded into the whole cooked thing through the liquid because chometz will prohibit everything so basically what he's saying is Any amount of chametz that touches would make everything osir. But when you have two dry pieces touching each other, now what happens if it's cold? If it's not yet this boy? It's not yet this boy? Then just move away. Nothing happened. Because if it's not yet this boy, things don't transfer at all. But even if it's yet this boy, but these measures that I'm telling you, these are used all the time. Every rabbi, when you ask him about. Uh, on my dishes, this is the first question they're going to ask you. Was it hot or not? Was it enough yatsa lettuce boy? So what we're saying over here like this. If it was yatsa lettuce boy, it was hot. But since there was no liquid over there, so which extent did it go to? It only went in the place that it touched. So you got to remove it, the thickness of, a, uh, of the thumb, and, that's, and only the place where it touched. That's it. Because without liquid, it doesn't travel anywhere, only to the spot where it touched. But you have to remove that. But what happens if you didn't remove it? And now you cook the whole thing again in a pot. So now everything is also Why? Because that drop that was in that place that was touched, now it spreads out in the whole thing. Let's just do one more halacha here. But if it didn't transfer because they were initially both cold, yeah. what is there to expand? That's right. Nothing, then that wouldn't be a problem. So. But we're talking that it was Yatzelah this boy. If there wasn't Yatzelah this boy, there's nothing more to talk so about. On the roast, if it was cold and it hit the top and it was cold, it cut it off. Yeah. Not, not only cut it off, no, but you you, you would have a, a... In that case, yeah, if it hit the... If, yeah, that would be okay, sure. Right, and 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 the same thing is you have in in, in it with kosher and not kosher. Like, you know, some sometimes you know when things touch each other, you have to know the exactly what what took place over there in order to 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 see if it's if it's kosher or not kosher or whatever happens. And all these details are important. But by chametz is more stringent. In chametz, in a way, it's easier because everything as soon as you have a drop. Everything becomes not kosher, you know. But um, um, just one more halacha here, quickly. Um, oh, it's not so. It's not the, now. Now we're talking about that the dry. We're talking about two dry things touching each other, but we're talking about there is no fatty. There's no fat in there. It's not a fatty because we're talking about matzah. Matzah is flour and water. What is matzah and flour? It's dry, or or chametz. There's not, but. If you're talking already about something greasy, that is, even though it's dry, but it's greasy, greasy has a separate halacha, because with grease we say that it does travel, even though it's two dry things. So he says like this, halacha above, It's only talking about if it's lean, like matzah, In that case, when the permissible... Uh, piece that the chametz touched was a dry piece of matzah then it would be okay if you remove the piece that touched but if it's, uh, it's, 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 it's not considered lean it's considered fatty like for example if you smeared 
the matzah with oil. You had oil on the matzah. Or if you have roasted meat, that is a thick um, uh, roasted meat, which has been, but it's, 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 it's fatty meat. Alright? Or it's cooked. And let's say a cooked piece of meat, but right now it's no longer in the soup. It's just laying outside. You took it out of the soup and it's laying on the plate. Right? So then the fatty um, uh, of the heter of the of the, uh, the piece of meat in the place where you touch it, so that stuff sort of that fat makes that taste of chametz that comes in that drop of chametz which would normally only go to makamagoy that fattens it up by that causes that little taste of that, that, it, that the Chomets gave in there, it causes it to flow and then it spreads into the older permissible as the nature is of any fatty things that it spreads out in anything while it's warm if it's since the taste of chametz has spread no letter, then it asks everything. Because chametz and pesach, wherever it is, uh, is never, never bottled. So here, basically, you learn. This is also, like I said, in the regular. It's it's important to know, like with kashrut, also in the regular. So to know that if it's a fatty piece, it's only if it's a dry piece, but a greasy piece would cause that part to spread out everywhere. And then you'll need shishim, if it's another Easter, if it's not Chomets B'Pesach. You would need 60 times as much. But by the um, the Chomets, uh, uh, it's Azir B'Mashu. And also, by the way, um, the Ramah, the Ashkenazi, they don't go by um, asking a Goy. You know, they don't go by asking a guy, saying, oh, taste it. Do you taste the taste uh, of the tray for it? Do you taste the tray? They won't trust that. We go 60. That's what we do. But the Sephardim, they go by the Bess Yosef, who says that you can ask a guy, and, uh, and his view. So I once heard a very interesting, there was a wedding in, uh, in, in Jerusalem, and there was a wedding over there, and somehow there was a whole wedding prepared with tons of guests and everything else. And then there was a, um, either milk or something fell into the pot, one of the big roasters over there, that they were cooking the thing. And they had a big problem because it was an Ashkenazi wedding. It was. And the problem is because the Ashkenazi ruling is they don't trust a guy. They only trust a Yid. But normally speaking, you can't get a yid to taste it because you don't know. Is it gonna, right. If he's going to taste it, he's going to be tasting prohibition. So the rabbi came up with an idea, a great idea. He said, have a Sephardic Jew calling a goy who rules like the Ms. Yosef to go ahead and let the goy taste the, 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 the roast and see if there's any taste of the prohibition. And of course, there wasn't any taste. So he tasted it. He says, no, there's no taste of the prohibition. So now that allows for the Sephardic Jew to eat because they rule that you can trust the Goy. Now what the Sephardic Jew says that is no good, then the Yid can trust him as well. And that's how come they were able to use the meat at that wedding. What I wanted to do in the laws of Pesach in 
section 447, we're up to subsection 6. So the he starts off like this. The call that all the above is talking about the situation that the item, the heter, the permissible, the matzah that the chametz touched was a lenient, was lean, which is Kamatza, like matzah. Matzah is not a fatty food. It's not a similar to it. Avlim ha heter. Did we do this? Let me take it back. So now, in sub in Tafmem Zayin, we're up to subsection seven. Says Ubedinus Elu Noyagim Lahachmir Bebosor Cham. He says, in our countries, in our communities, the custom is to be stringent if there is meat which is hot that touches, that was touched by chametz, which was hot, so that we're going to prohibit the entire piece as if it was afilu, this is talking kachosh, even though it's lean, but we're going to consider it as if it is not lean. And we said before, by fatty, is mefafeya bekuloi, it will go through the whole thing. And the reason why we'll do that, we don't really, we don't have the expertise to really uh, make a distinction between what is lean and what is fatty? We don't really know. At times, the meat appears to be lean on the outside. It looks like meat, but But it's really inside. It is fatty. So So therefore, the custom is to be stringent. In any item which there even could be fatty, as for example, lesser kula bano to prohibit the entire thing to benefit. Imnaga by chametz, if imnaga if chametz touched shneim chamin, and they're both hot. Afalpi shein shom reitav, even though there is no uh, there is no liquid over there. So he's basically saying to you, and this is also going to apply to Mat Chametz Isser too, because up till now we said that if two things touch each other without liquid, there's no real way to transmit, and only the place where it touched becomes affected, just the place where it touched. But there is a difference if it was... uh, Shaman, if it was fatty, then it would make the whole thing also because the fatty would transpass, would, would sort of spread it out in the entire meat. But today, we don't make that distinction. Any item which has fatty in it, like meat, which sometimes is fat, sometimes it's not fatty, we're going to treat it all as if it's fatty, and therefore, we're going to prohibit the whole thing. But no, even though we're chametz, 
Only chametz retoshes matzah because matzah is wheat and it's baked. After it's baked, it's dry. There is no fattiness in, in matzah. There is and anything similar to it in a situation you can't find any way that there's going to be fatty. How is there going to be fatty in the matzah? I mean, you can put on shmir uh, fatty on it, but the matzah itself doesn't have any any fat in it. Look over there in section 461 and 467, the details over, of these details. Okay, now we'll learn further. Subsection 8. Even though we're saying now this is going to be a important halacha, which might affect our situations today, in which there is a taste of chametz, but it doesn't really taste good, like in, in cosmetics and other things. Let's see what he says here. He says, chametz and Pesach will prohibit even if it's a drop. Even though you cannot feel the taste of the chametz in the mixture. So we said it doesn't matter. One drop, you can't feel the mixture, it's still going to prohibit it. If the chametz gives a blemish taste, in other words, it gives in a bad taste into the mixture, then then it doesn't prohibit at all. Which means it has to be real chametz, not a chametz which has already been blemished, which is going to give blemish taste. Afilu b'achila, even you're allowed to eat it. Bain, shenisarim menu harbe, whether a lot of it has mixed in bi'inyan shiyeshboi kidei litin tamlif gambet haruves. That would be whether you have a lot. Let's say you have a lot of spoiled chametz. Let's say that's going to give a bad taste. So now the food with the mixture of the chametz is tastes bad. In that case, that wouldn't make it also. And even in a case where there's only a drop, the mixture would not actually cause a uh, blemishing of the mixture. It wouldn't make it bad. Because it's not felt at all. Because you have such a small piece, so you're not even feeling it. So it's not really at the end of the day causing any Tam liv gam. It's not really causing anything to be pogum. Lefi shakol tam shepegim betarubis ene nikra tam klav. Because any taste that would blemish, would cause the, the tarubis, isn't considered to be a taste. So we don't consider that anything going in. It's a bad taste, so nothing went in. Ukilu nifra klav letoicha tarubis. As if it wasn't mixed in anything into the mixture. Beyesh that's one opinion. But Now, one of the classical examples will be, so that you know, one of the classical examples would be, uh, if a pot which is chametz stick, let's say you cooked chametz in a pot, a chametz stick a pot, once it's 24 hours have been, the taste that's in the walls of the pot that has entered from the chametz is called now a noisen tam livgam. Now, a lot of times when you have a question about a pot, the rabbi will ask you, did it sit for 24 hours? 
already before you put the other thing in because 24 hours makes a big difference because the taste that's in the walls of the pot that you cooked after sitting there for 24 hours it turns livgam it becomes a blemished taste so that's called a noisen tam livgam so in this case, what we're talking about, if you by accident on Pesach, according to that view, if by accident on Pesach, you use the chametz de kapat, let's say, to cook some of the thing, according to the first opinion, that noise and time, that chametz, did not prohibit all the mixture what you cooked in it. Because what went in there is a noise and time of gum because it's already been sitting in the pot for 24 Hour, so it wouldn't make it usher according to this opinion. But but there's those that disagree, and they say, Since the Chomets and Pesach, we say that even one drop would make everything, so you have one drop in a million, the drop will make it usher. So, there could be no greater nullification than having one drop mixed into 10,000 times 1,000. Ba'afa became osur, and still the Torah says it's osur. Bu'adin l'noisin tam l'vgam. Same thing is, would apply l'noisin tam l'vgam, would also asur on Pesach. Ben she'yesh boi, k'day litin tam l'vgam, ben she'ein boi. Whether there is, it can give a taste to, um, well, whether it will actually make the food pogum, of uh, whether it does not even one drop that mixes in in thousand times thousand will answer everything eating and, 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 and benefiting this is the custom in our country like this second opinion but in a place where there is no known custom we can Rule, we can rule that one who is lenient like the first opinion doesn't lose out, you know. But one who wants to be stringent, may a blessing come upon him. So he's not fully ruling it out, but he's saying if there's no minhag, then you could rely on the first opinion to be lenient, and one who is stringent may a blessing come upon him. So this is, but this is, I mean, most of us we have separate dishes. Uh, it's easy, but in the olden days, uh, people used to kosher in between. They didn't have a lot of dishes, so they would take. I mean, I know even in, in Israel today, they have like people bring their pots. They have a big place, and the, in some communities, they have it also here. Boiling water. Boiling water. People put in their pots in there, and then you kosher it for Pesach. They don't can't afford to go buy or store new dishes, so they use that. So in that case, so what happens if he forgot to do it, or then he realizes? So this this would make a big this issue would make a big difference. What happens with all the today? Let's say if you had just so to bring it, make it practical for today. If you by accident, you know, you um, you use your uh, flashik pot that you have for uh, flashiks, and you warmed up some milk in it, right? Uh, you warmed up some milk in it, or let's say you warmed up some uh, lasagna in a in a, in a fleshke frying pan. You warmed. It. What does it mean a fleshke frying pan? You use you use that frying pan. You fry uh, uh, chicken, meat, whatever you've read, and then by accident, you know, it looks the same. You know, one of the kids or somebody comes in and warms up the uh, a pizza or warms up uh, uh, cheese blintzes or whatever it is on it. 
can you use those blintzes? No. What is the answer? I'm asking a question. Can you eat those blintzes as you warmed it up? Forget about the pot. What are we going to do with the, with the frying pan? That's another thing. Can you use the blintz? What's going to be the ruling? Okay, he's a rough. What is the ruling? The pot wasn't used for 24 hours. And it could get back to him. If the pot wasn't used for 24 hours, that's the principle. It's a nice and tamlif gum. So the taste that's of the meat that's in there has already been provided. We're saying that it's a clean. We're talking about it's clean. And it's not been used in 24 hours. Then we say the taste that's in the walls is a nice and tamlif gum. It's given a taste, a blemish taste, and therefore the food hasn't really absorbed any flashics any potent flashics it's absorbed from the taste of a pogum, a tam pogum. Tam pogum doesn't aser, would not prohibit that food, so that you can eat it. Now, he said by accident, you're not allowed to do it without koshering it. You're not allowed to do it, you must kosher it. But we're talking about, if you made an accident, it was by mistake. So then you can eat the food. Now, you'd still have to kosher, find out a way to kosher the frying pan. Frying pan is also very, because it just uses oil, whether... You can just kosher it, or you need to have more libun because of the frying. It's the nature of it. There's not a lot of liquid. It's just oil. No, you have to make sure there's nothing bad. There's no particles over there. Yeah. If there's no problem, that's why the other reason is also. If you noticed, if you ever going to kosher something, you have to wait 24 hours before you kosher. If you're going to kosher like a pot. You have to wait 24 hours. You can't cash it right away because you got to wait till it becomes a nice and tamlif gum. But again, people make a mistake. That only applies if you're going to kosher something with water, that you use water. But if you're going to kosher the oven, which is through libun, that you don't have to wait 24 hours. That comes out right away. It's a different... But you have to wait 24 hours when you're koshering with hagaola. Then you have to wait 24 hours. But I'm saying, but here, the, the halacha basically we learned here is the two opinions. One opinion says that chametz is the same thing, that it's a nice time of gam. Doesn't make it usher. And some say it does make it usher. He says the minig is to make it usher. But, you know, okay, I guess in a place where there would be a big loss and there's no minhag, but I guess minhag is usher, huh? Not sure, Pesach. We, we did have got a lot of one pot. Right. We forgot to do the top of the pot. I realized after we had soup in the pot. So the halakha... Okay, so then the whole thing could have been usher. But it's a court this, I get minhag, it would be okay. So yeah, but the minhag is to usher it. I mean, that minhag, we, we go by that minhag. Our minhag is to usher it too. We don't allow that there. We don't do that. It, what? It doesn't have to be an issue. That's what he's saying. In this case, it's not going to be bottle. According to the second, this more stringent opinion, he says, Anoisin Tam Levgam, it doesn't matter. It's a drop. It doesn't matter. It's going to make everything, everything usher. Now, you can see, according to this stringent opinion, how on Pesach, you know, things can go wrong very easily if you're not careful, because everything which is more than we say by all the other Yisurim, that's the Chiddush over here. Um, Alright, let's do quickly one more, Sif. Uh, so he says like this, in subsection 9, Tess, he says, Afal pi shabishashar Yisurim einem oisrim asaheter elimke nosnotam beheter by all other prohibitions, he says, they would not prohibit the permissible unless they give a taste in the hetter. But if the hetter doesn't have anything 
didn't absorb anything from the taste of the Isur. Let's say the smell of the Isur has been absorbed in it. There's no substance, no taste, but just the smell of it. That smell cannot prohibit the heter. Smell in itself, without having something go in there, does not prohibit the heter. As explained in the section of Yeridea, chapter 108. But is the smell because the size? Well, you know, you have very different, no? Yeah, like in an oven, or for example. No, but over there, it would be, uh, it would be, um, it would be prohibited. Let's see what he's going to say. Since it prohibits the mixture, even a drop, and that is even though there is no taste in the mixture because it's one drop. So just like we're saying that even one drop can answer everything, the smell would be also. What's the example? Keep going. Say, for example, kikr chometz shenefa betamer. You're having a loaf of chometz that was baked in the oven. And when you're baking it, at the same time that you were baking the bread, inside the oven there was roasting a fatty piece of meat. Either it's being roasted on a spear, uh, on a spit, or it's being roasted on an open pot. So I guess there's a lot of smell going out there. So that smell of the fatty of the... There's no substance over there. Because it's not touching. Nothing is touching over there. There's no... So that smell of the fatty of the tzli, nichnes ba'akitker, that enters into the loaf, umefatem esreichoy, and it sort of uh, stuffs, it makes the, uh, the smell uh, of the bread. And then that smell of this fatty, and it takes with it it takes the uh, lean smell of the chometz because chometz bread doesn't have really any smell. Now the chometz got a smell from what? From the meat that was cooking with it. So that smell was absorbed into the loaf. And now that lean smell of the chometz and then it roasts and puts it back into the uh, into the roast. Uh, so basically, what he's saying is here the hevel, the the heat which is in there, is taking from the uh, fatty meat and bringing it onto the chometz, and then the chometz. But there was no touching; nothing touched the directly. So there was no balua. There was no there was no balia. There was no uh, absorbing, no merging. They didn't touch each other. But he says, We're talking about an oven which is small. It doesn't hold 12 tenths of the matzah of the shear. 
You can't bake on the floor. Twelve loaves of matzah made of isorin. Each thickness of metafach is less than a tafach mashu. Like the dinner Whatever the shear over here is, it's a smaller oven. And the mouth of the oven is closed. Even if it's not totally closed, but on the side it's a little open. And the oven has a hole which is open at the top, where the smoke goes out. Since the main mouth is closed, there is no place for the smell to expand outside, and it is absorbed in the heter. So basically meaning, if it's a small closed oven, so that the smoke doesn't have where to go, so then, provided these conditions that we learned over here, then it's being absorbed in the matzah, and then back from the, into the chametz, and then back from the chametz to the matzah. And this would also be connected to cases that we have, like you can't cook that for that same reason. You cannot use an oven to cook, let's say, milchikis and fleshiks at, at the same time. Because the heat will carry it back and forth, or, or, or something not kosher. And that's why you, what you can do is, that's what we do is sometimes when you have to, like when you're in a, uh, let's say you're at work, and they only have like a microwave, like a non-kosher microwave, or you double wrap it. So with the double wrap, what it does is, it doesn't allow for the smoke, for that air to come in to, to, to be able to cause any, uh, any spreading from one to the other. That's why we, that's why we do that. But this only would apply if you have a fat roasty, but if it's lean, and goes without saying, if you have real matzah, which is kachush, so if you have chametz baking on one side, and you have matzah baking on the other side, but it's all lean, even you have more chametz than matzah, hakol muter, so permissible. Even if it's totally closed from all sides, there's nothing open over there. It's all sitting right there. It is or okay because if it's not fatty, there's no taste going anywhere, and whatever it is, everything is baking on its own. Even if it stays there for many days, kivon shehem kachushim. Since they are lean, and reicham of klal, so their smell does not go out, does not push out at all. There's no smell over there. It's just bread. There's no smell. Even if the loaves were kneaded with fat or with oil, but now once they're kneaded, they're not cold. It's still considered to be lean. So he says that uh, baking chametz with matzah it would be kosher. Everything is separate. Even though there's no place, the ear, smell, reach doesn't do anything. 
Hamokim Shnefek Shom HaChomets, that spot where the Chomets was baked, Tzorich Hesek Lachshidoi, Lavashom Matzah. If you want to bake Matzah, that spot where you did the Chomets, you have to kosher it first. Avashar Kol HaTanur in Tzorich. Why? Because that place where it was laying on, it touched it. So that's not a Reich anymore. Over there it's Negiya. That it touches, it actually touches, that piece touches the, the bottom of the oven. That place needs to be kosher. You can't use it later on for matzah. But Sharkola oven, Avavil Sharkola Tanur, Ein Tzorich. You don't need the rest of the oven, you don't have to kosher. Sheimli, Sachomis, Mesfashetas, Bekulay, Bilerite. Because he says the chometz is not absorbed, does not spread out without any liquid. You need liquid to have it move from one to the other. In this case, you're in an oven, you don't have any liquid. So the oven was dry. So the smell, there is no smell. That's why it's only a smell when there's a fatty thing. So smell, there is no smell. But the touch, that's only the place where it actually touches. But that touch doesn't transfer anywhere. You can say, well, the whole oven is hot, and it's, if this place is hot, no, it doesn't travel to any other place if there is no liquid over there. And since it's in the oven, there's no liquid, so every place else would be kosher. So again, in our cases, like not by chometz, the same thing would same thing would be true if you're baking, um, you know, or you're using some dry thing in there. Sometimes you would put in. Maybe you thought it had a heksher, and then you find out it didn't have a heksher. Uh, if it's something dry, then it wouldn't do anything to the oven. Only the place where it touched, you might have to kosher, but it doesn't uh, take the whole oven. But some these halachas are also applicable in all various different cases. Simon Tov Mem Zayin, we're up to subsection 11. So here it says, V'kol zek shneyem the prohibition, or in this case chometz, or same thing would be any prohibition, and the heter and the permissible are both not sharp. They're not matters, they're not items that are sharp. But if one of them is sharp, and they are both open inside the oven, sharp would mean Onions, you know, kind of, you know, things that are garlic, yeah. I feel a bit shady in Asur, even with other provisions, be Asur. I feel im hatanur godlu pasuach, even if the tanur, the oven is large and open. Commission is barbir desim kufches, as explained in the Yeridea, this chapter 108. Ayinshem koprati dinzel, look there, you'll see all the details of this halacha. See if you'd base. Now, because uh, this is only in a case that the smell that comes from the chametz does not blemish the permissible. But if it's a blemish, then you can permit in all cases, even if there is no big loss, even if there is actually a taste, and it's a pogum, we learned earlier, when there is actually a substance, when it touches and it comes in, so if it's like after 24 hours in which the taste is considered that it degraded, so it, would, it won't, to some opinions, we learned two opinions before, that by chametz it doesn't matter. But 
when we're talking about when they're not touching, just because the smell is going in the oven, there's no touching, there's no liquid, it's just the smell going from one to the other, you could permit. This, uh, even the Mugam, that's the main question. So, therefore, in a case where it's more than 24 hours, that would be okay. So, say, for example, if you have a Chomets de Kepat that's that, that stood for 24 hours, and you put it into the oven and it's uh, cooking with something with, uh, on the other side, uh, and it's not touching, it's only the smell going from there, then it would not prohibit because there is not a tam and there's only a reyach and even by a tam levgam some permitted so therefore will be permitted over here too. Mm-hmm. Hector means blemish or it means, okay. means the permissible one. Permissible. Yeah. If you put it in the same oven, yeah. What about the rack? Okay, so the rack it doesn't first of all like this. If you're talking, if you are actually touching, I, 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 the example I gave you is that you put it into a pot. If you have a dry pot on a dry rack, oh. nothing transfers because there's no liquid there to transfer oh, okay. and there's no substance on the rack. There's no touching. Right. Metal to metal does not transfer without water. Okay. If, you have, uh, if you have a fleshy kapat right. and a milk kapat right. touching each other on the outside, boiling, boiling hot, nothing transferred. There's no liquid over there. Touching does not transfer. Providing no, but yeah, I'm just saying, even, even on the counter, let's say you have on the counter, okay. you have a real fleshic pot and you have a real milk pot. Yeah. One is coming out from the milk oven, one is coming from the fleshic oven. There's no liquid over there, they're just touching each other. Okay, nothing, it doesn't dry and dry, it doesn't go out. So when you're asking me if it, it racks, so I'm saying to you, if it's metal, metal doesn't go to the metal. Okay. Now, if you're actually roasting it or baking it on the rack, yes, then oh, it touches. Yeah, okay, yeah. Then it absorbs no. inside. The touching of the chametz will absorb into the okay. place of the rack we learned before. Um, now, Sifud Gimel, 13, subsection. Im sosmu pi hatanur bepesach bedaf shesoismu behatanur kol if you close the opening of the Tanner on Pesach, so I guess in the olden days they didn't have such fancy doors that open up in an oven. They used to use the top as an oven. They used to put things through the top. And then they used to cover it to keep the heat in there. They used to put a cover on top of the, of the oven. And what happens is the person, they, they close the opening of the oven on Pesach with the same board that they used to close the oven all year round. Even though they've never, they didn't rinse off the, the chamed, didn't rinse it off. Everything that's going to be in the oven is going to be permissible. Why? Because over here also, that board doesn't come in contact doesn't come in contact with um, doesn't come in contact with directly with the food that's in the oven. The only thing what comes in there, I'm just trying to think. I'm trying to think what the reason for this thing is. So the only thing is, so if let's say you baked chametz um, um, 
I'm trying to think that because even if there was chametz in the in there, I think it's already since it's more than 24 hours, it's already livgam. It's giving a blemish taste. I don't think if you actually cook chametz, but it's not possible to be cooked chametz on that day. That's what he's saying. But Pesach, maybe he's talking about more than 24 hours. Because if you had baked chametz over there, uh, the reyach, oh, no, the reyach does not take out, does not, is not pilot, does not take out. The reyach only gives into the food. There's no food. Nothing, nothing happens there because it doesn't touch, it doesn't come in contact with that board, so nothing happens. It, it cannot be... Uh, uh, make anything usher, even though it's a chametzdik uh, lid, it's a chametzdik cover, because there is no liquid, there's nothing over there, it's just the it's oven. It's touched by hands, right? Yeah, well, yeah, but, but even because what, what chametz is in the lid is just the, 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 the smoke, the, the smell of the, of the chametz. And uh, the smell of the chametz. Um, the reyach does not go into the lid, it would go into the other food, and it doesn't come out of the lid, and that's why, you know, it's okay.